Set your homecoming out. What up? This is Mish. Welcome to Millennial Love. It feels great to be at PV. You 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 really feel like that, Justin? I do. The campus is beautiful, by the way. Thank you. Oh no, it's really nice. I wasn't expecting that. Not that I was expecting like trash, but it was bomb. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I'm glad for y'all to finally be here because I talk so much about PV and y'all just get on me about Southern all the time. So I'm happy to have y'all here. Also happy to be back with one of my professors from Prairie View, Dr. Wilson. Give it up. (laughs) <laughs> thank you, thank you. Dr. Wilson was one of my favorite professors. Uh, he used to uh, get on the class. I'm sure he gets on y'all too, huh? Not yeah. at all. No? He get on y'all nerves a little bit too, huh? Yeah, Always, yes. <laughs> but he's wonderful. He taught me a lot. Uh, like I said, started my career here, undergrad. And so I'm just happy to be back home. I'm ready for the weekend. It's homecoming. And I'm ready to set it out. Carl, how was your week? It was really good. Like, hella good. Like, stupid good. I'm not at work today. Shout out to being off today. Um, My boss did just text me, though. So, I'm not going to respond, though. Other than that, I'm good. PTO. Like, give me my time. Of course, I'm doing great because I've been off for the past two weeks because I just got a job offer. Shout out to me again for the third week in a row. <laughs> okay, six-figure nigga. Yeah, so I'm great. I'm excited to party, turn up with these PV students, so I'm excited about that. I'll be here all weekend. <laughs> Are you stand-up? <laughs> what she said? Are you stand-up? Did I, do I need to stand-up? I will be here all weekend. Oh! Yeah, I'm coming back Friday. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. okay. I got y'all. Okay. How was your week, Mish? It's been good. Um, I think I've just been anxious and anticipating coming back for homecoming. I've been in group texts with my line brothers and line sisters all week. Shout out to my line sister that came to see us uh, today. Um, And just, you know, been getting myself together for homecoming. So it's been cool. Dr. Wilson, how's your week? How's the students? Oh, is my, this midterm? This is, it's midterms week. Okay. Um, and so it's kind of stressful. It's stressful for me because, you know, they get mad about their grades. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, why midterms yeah. is the week of homecoming, though? I, that part I don't understand. Y'all um, trifling for that as the professors. I don't, know, I don't understand why they chose as a student body to make homecoming during the week of midterms. I got to blame the students on that. <laughs> you see. Oh, so he yeah. decided to put midterms. Yeah, I decided to do my midterms okay. this week. Okay, that's cool. Oh, okay, that's okay, that's okay. how that worked. Gotcha. So you, so you trifling is what you're saying. Yeah, I tried them. I tried them. <laughs> okay, y'all ready for this icebreaker? Shout in the front with the gray hat. I see you. I'm making eye contact with you because she you ready, told me you knew the answer. AKA, AKA. That's who uh, she's talking to. That's right. Okay. Hey, Sora. How you doing? 
Yeah. Hey, girl. <laughs> okay. Y'all ready? What time was Usher in the drop top cruising the streets? Just answer it. <laughs> Seven o'clock. Seven o'clock. See, y'all knew it. On the dot. Right. You cannot forget the on the dot. Number two. How can you unbreak Tony Braxton's heart? Me again. Come on, come on, girl. <laughs> Undo this hurt you cause when you walk. She's singing it. Look at come it. Come on, on sister. Come on. <laughs> All right, let's go. Okay. <laughs> this you better be a hard say. One. This may be a hard one for y'all. We who's the two 23 year olds? 23, 22? We need this okay, 40, we need y'all to come 48. Eight. How old? We need you to come through with this right here. We need you to come through. If Shy ever falls in love again, what will they be sure of? Ah, good job. Say it again, girl. (laughs) Ever fall in love again. again. Yeah. Sure that. Lady is my friend. Come on with your hands. Point grab. <laughs> Somebody's note was a little bit off, but I'm gonna chill on That's it. That's all right though. He enjoys I'm it. I'm gonna <laughs> chill. He enjoys on it. it. Okay, number four. How much was Erica Badu born underwater with? Come on. Hey. Come on. My sister knows it. That's my sister. Me too. <laughs> Listen, y'all doing way better than my old ass did. Correct, because I was like, uh, three. I had to sing the whole song. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay, number five. Why can't R.L. and Deborah Cox be friends? Ooh. Ooh. Y'all don't Ooh, know what this What are you doing? Come on. Yeah! <laughs> She's 25 back there. You're 25? Okay. Okay. Number six. What should you do to prove to Destiny's Child that you ain't running game? Yeah. Y'all better know that one, for real. Y'all doing way better than I did. I promise. Okay. Wait, what's this one? Okay. As long as Avant lives... Who will always be his what? Wow. I, it was a two-part question. Who will Who? always be his what? Come on, baby girl in the front, in the middle. Yeah, Come yeah. on. Yeah. Listen, I was on an Avant kick the other day. He has some classics that I think we'd be forgetting about. Avant the game is some week. Yeah, Avant put on like 300. He put on really? like two other people. Yeah, I mean, you know. He he need to get on some Herbalife. Ain't that what they do? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Okay, <laughs> number eight. <laughs> he need to get on Herbalife. That's what they do. Number eight. What did Chris Brown say when he saw you across the room? Yeah. <laughs> what did Yo, he say? A- Yo. Yo. You're making oh, me want to say, yo, you got to go. Boogie through the door. Hey, what's up, Sora? Number nine. 
Didn't Rihanna tell you she was? I can't hear nobody. Savage. Who lived that savage life? We're going to talk about it. Yeah. And lastly, where did Beyonce put everything that you own? In a, In a box, box to, to the, the left. left. Exactly. Y'all did a good job. Yeah, I was not expecting. I wasn't expecting that either. I mean, because I could, maybe it's because we're older, we just couldn't remember. Exactly. That's what so it is. We need ginkgo biloba. So it didn't, it didn't even have to do anything with age because they knew all of it. Exactly. So um, for those of you that listen to the episode Still Nigga, that is exactly what we're going to talk about today. Um, colorism and the effects that it has on the African American community um, and how we can support each other. Uh, with this issue, we specifically wanted Dr. Wilson to come on the show because we want him to provide us with that um, psychological view as well as, you know, any theories behind it. And, of course, I know he talks to y'all about the Afrocentric perspective, so <laughs> <laughs> we need that. Um, we, we did uh, talk about this before on the show, and we just feel like we wanted to revisit, especially on an HBCU campus with students that are engaged in things like this every day, and then again with the professor that can give us a little bit more. So, Dr. Wilson, we want you to start it out and tell us a little bit about how this issue became so big in our community. Um, well, we can start off by examining the historical um, precedent that has, been, that has been set forth in terms of African-Americans and their being here in the, Americans, in the United States of America. Uh, and by that, we begin to recognize that the issue of slavery um, provides a context. It doesn't necessarily say that it defines exactly who we are and what we're about in, a, in its totality, but it does provide a context of how blacks have been required to be pit against each other mm -hmm. based on various reasons. So we talk about this, the slave system and what happened within the slavery days where you had the field Negro and the house Negro. Of course, the house Negro was seen as those who was probably a little bit fair-skinned, um, probably because that the slave master was engaging in activities with the slaves. And so their children became the next generation of folks who got the so-called privileges in life. Um, and then the field Negro, again, was those who was the uh, ancestors who, who toiled in the, in the hot sun, in the field, and they had to do all the hard labor. And so then we fast forward. We noticed that although we may have had these changes with so-called laws and whether it's Jim Crow laws, the segregation laws, and so forth, we began to recognize that they, there was this game that was being played as well with black people in their lives. Mm -hmm. And part of that game was the fact that if you did not threaten white folk, you'd be allowed to achieve certain areas of success within our societies. And therefore, at times, white folk began to lay out, as they'd always have done in terms of the conditioning of people in America, they began to what? stereotype black people to be certain uh, with certain characteristics and certain behaviors to demonstrate that black folks are shiftless, they're lazy, they don't want much in life, and they're all looking for a handout. Um, and with that said, when you talk about the culture of America, you talk about the capitalism that started from slavery 
and we talk about how this capitalism is really bent on the few being successful. Now, let me, let me stress that, the few. So it's not about the majority being successful, but the few. And so when it comes to African-Americans participating in this system, you have those African-Americans who tend to, from a psychological vantage point, tend to distance themselves from the ideas and identity of being black. And that creates a lot of other schisms within the community, but most importantly, also it, it, it led to a couple of different factors. One, it forced us not to really trust ourselves, believe in ourselves, and provide opportunities. Because like they say, I've always said this in my class, they may ask you to come to the party, but they won't ask you to bring your friends and your family. They invite one of you to be there. And sometimes people take that as a, a badge of honor. Well, I got invited to the uh, I got invited to the white sorority house. <laughs> I've got invited to the um, to the to, to this secret society. And then you tell you as you're talking to your brothers and sisters, um, they're like, "Well, can we show up?" And they're, uh, 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 "Nah, nah, not really. I can't bring all of y'all with me." But it also leads to the fact that, and as we also migrated and and begin to move up in society. In time, some of us became successful. Some of us come from successful families, and we moved to certain communities, such as the suburbs. And living in the suburbs, majority white, because then, then our children begin to attend majority white schools, we begin to take on the values of the majority white community. And some of those values lead to us making decisions. It's safer over here. I like this community. This community has different opportunities. It's quiet over here. And then they begin to what? Make choices as to mate selection. Right? So, so we begin to see how we associate things with this environment, this Eurocentric environment that has forced black people to choose between maintaining a sense of self of who they are to accepting a new sense of identity in dealing with the majority power structure majority-wise, to say how can they fit in. So we, get, we do a lot of issues of assimilation and acculturation and so forth. And those things have challenged us to the point that it, it got so vi it's become so vicious that, um, and I'm sure some of my students can attest to some of these things, but it becomes so vicious that even when you're a child, you know, these little white friends may be so innocent, but they, they, they want to play in your hair, mm -hmm. right? Uh, or they may give you compliments on your skin, but then at the same time, they don't really appreciate your culture, right? And so, and we, we have this challenge within ourselves, like, well, what do I accept? Do I accept that white people are giving me compliments, or do I deal with the fact that how can I express myself? And then, again, some of us have been conditioned to believe that everything, right is, everything white is right, so I should attend a white school. And when you attend white schools, PWIs, then you begin to see the world more inherently the way white folks see the world, because that's what a PWI is all about. Let's, let's be real about it. It's about the environment from which you exist in. And then some people think they are privileged within that environment, and they bring those same privileged attitudes back to the black community. And so from those factors alone, we begin to see standards of beauty, what's deemed to be education, was deemed to be successful culturally and monetarily. We see all these challenges that are out there and based on the culture of your structure, the European structure, we find ourselves coming up with these so-called divisions amongst us, within us. 
Right. So with those divisions, um, this is a question for uh, millennial love and then also the students, because what I hear you saying is that it ultimately came from the history of slavery. However, at this point now, we as a culture and a community are contributing to that, correct? Yes. So how have you all contributed to the perpetuation of colorism within the community, whether it's on campus, whether it's at home where you're from, you all with work, friends, how have you all contributed to the perpetuation? Um, I think for me, um, I guess not empathizing with someone's disadvantage. Um, just because it's a disadvantage for them and I don't see it as a disadvantage or I may see it as an advantage, um, I guess just not empathizing with them. Like, for instance, um, I don't know, anything that would, it would be a disadvantage for them and me not acknowledging that or me just saying, oh, okay, well, I, get, I understand what you're saying, but, you know, we all have X, Y, Z and not really. Um, I'm, I'm going to ask you to dig a little deeper sure, with that okay, response okay. now. Because um, um, you're talking about a disadvantage. Give me a specific example. For instance, so for fair-skinned individuals, right, um, I know that uh, they get a lot of slack or what I've heard from my last episode. Um, you know, Cora had mentioned how, um, you know, dark-skinned females would judge her whenever she would walk in and not um, judge her according to her complexion and not necessarily according to her character. So that's a disadvantage for Cara, but um, one may not deem that as a disadvantage, right? They may look at that as an advantage in regards to, uh, regards to let's say, athletes and um, celebrities, male celebrities, how they choose to, it seems like they're choosing to go with fair-skinned females, right? Um, so me not empathizing with Cara, correct, yes. Come on, come up, come up, come up, come up. No. You have to. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I guess just to finish my statement before she woke up, um, just not necessarily, uh, you know, I guess empathizing with her disadvantage and understanding and realizing that that's her feelings. And it's true. It's, it's true to her story um, and not overlooking that um, by saying, well, you know what, we all have our own struggles. And what I heard you say was that um, what you understood that when she walks into a room, other females, dark skinned yeah. females will look at her that way. While the men are the ones who's oogling all over her because of her. I'm not going to say that now. Don't you put, <laughs> you put words in my mouth. <laughs> that is not what I'm saying. Uh, you want to go ahead, go ahead yeah, and speak and then I'll talk. So say your name, where you're from, and what's your major? <laughs> you shy girl. No, I'm, no, I'm I know you're not. Um, name, where you're from, and what's your major? What's up? Um, Brianna. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, I'm from Houston. Um, I'm a biology major. And uh, yeah. Okay, so with what was being said, um, growing up, I've always had like, all types of friends, whether, you know, whatever. But within the black, within the black community, um, like in elementary, I had a friend who was light-skinned. Her name was Summer. So, you know, everything about her was like, oh, you know, very prissy, you know. And I, and I can get that as far as like light-skinned women feeling like, dang, why do, you know, other dark-skinned women think like we're just prissy, we think we're all that. But 
with how society is and how it's set up, you guys are privileged. Even at a young age, she was this girl's name Summer. She was popular. And so like I was like her, like almost like her henchman type of thing, like, oh, the dark skinned girl that's friends to that light skinned girl, you know what I mean? And it was kind of like demeaning for me because it was just like, why can't I just be Brianna? You know what I mean? Why do I have to be called that dark skinned girl that's friends with the pretty light skinned girl? And like being a dark skinned woman, like I have to be honest, light skinned women are completely privileged till the end of the day. Like they don't want to see it, they don't have to, that's fine. But you you don't get told that you need to bleach your skin or if a black man tells you like, you know, I'm only be attracted to you if you were lighter. You know, I've had men tell me that even at a young age and it was very traumatizing because it made me feel like, so I'm not, you know, good enough to even be with a black man to a point where I was just like, well, I'm gonna start dating white men because, you know, they appreciate, you know, darker skinned women better because, um, I don't know where, where I would see it, like on YouTube or just through other places, even in Africa, some European men will come to Nigeria, cause I'm Nigerian, they'll come to Nigeria and marry like, they will marry the darkest, you know, African women and not the lightest. And it's just like, that doesn't mean that they respect, you know, the culture, that's just an example of how like, be it's, diff it's difficult growing up as a dark skinned girl because you know, you're kind of like told like, if you were more appealing then maybe we'd be, we would accept you, especially in the black community. And it's like, yet the main people who would call me ugly for being dark skinned were darker than me. And when their parents would come to school for stuff like that, their moms were like dark. So I'm just like, where's that anti-black hate coming from? And we can't sit here and try to dismiss the privileges that light skinned or fair women do have. Um, you know, as far as like in movies, y'all get picked more for roles to represent that black woman, you know, as far as uh, like just, just little things that you would see here and there and it would just make you question like yourself, like wow, I'm not good enough. And I feel like what light-skinned women can do to acknowledge like not only their privilege, but also put black men, you know, like out there and say like, you know, she's, you know, this is my sis, this is your sis. You don't have to say that to her. And the way that you're thinking and seeing things is because you've been conditioned to see that anything that's fair or near white skin or anything that has to deal with whiteness is better than, you know, what black is. But yeah, okay. That was a really good point. <laughs> I like the, the end of what she said, like putting our brothers in their place, like, hey, this is still my sister, we're all beautiful. You know what I'm saying? Like not just accepting that, oh, they like me because I'm like, but like letting them know, like if you don't like my sister, then you don't like me because at the end of the day, I'm still black. Still I think that's the, I think that's the, the real challenge uh, amongst ourselves is to, as men, you know, I, I gotta put the onus on a lot of brothers too as well, that you know, women do need to put us in check when those types of patterns of behaviors exist. Uh, but again, you see it goes back to this idea that, um, you know, if I choose something that's light, bright, almost white, straight hair, I'm making another group of people feel accepting of me and who I am because then I'm posed as not a threat. So I can say the way that I have uh, perpetuated colorism is in terms of my professional career. <clears throat> as an attorney, I feel like I am given um, some privilege, some privileges by being lighter skinned. I am more acceptable as it comes to other white people. I, I even code switch 
hella like at work. I'll be like, "Hi, how are you, Sam?" And you know, Cora, I do it too. Talk. You're not. I do it too. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> unfortunately, Sam, we have to. I really talk like I'm talking right now. Like, but you know, um, I I I acknowledge my privilege, and I think I use it, and that is how I perpetuate it. Um, I have used it before, being like, "Well." You know, I'm going to just pull my hair back in this bun. I'm going to straighten it real quick or whatever. And I'm going to go in there and I'm going to be like, hi, Susan, how are you? Yeah, I'll totally take this job and be right up in there. But once I get in there, what I do, this isn't really a part of the question, but once I get in there, I create a pipeline for my homies. So if my friend, I don't care what her skin color is, I have I have friends that are all skin tones. But if I have a, a black friend or somebody that was a colleague of mine that went to my law school, um, I would recommend them. I will give their resume directly to the hiring partner. I will do those sorts of things. I used my privilege to get in the door, but then I also use my blackness to bring other black people in. So that's how I try to counteract it. I have a question for Rihanna. Rihanna, right? Brianna. Bri Brianna, sorry. Um, you mentioned your friend at a very early age, right? So elementary, right? Um, whenever you um, initially experienced those differences, was it with other peers or was it with, like, let's say her mom and her dad are adults, like teachers? Sorry. I know. You can, I mean, you can just talk. Just, no, no, no. If you say it, I'll <laughs> it's just we won't be able to hear it on the recording, and I would love to hear it. And the it only on reason the why I ask is because I would like to, I would like for Dr. Wilson to address um, adults and their roles with contributing to this issue as well. Um, so it would be amongst peers, peers, you know, like they would always like boost her and then mm. in the process put me down. Okay. And sometimes there are, are adults who say like, wow, you've gotten so dark. And I'm just like, <laughs> just like everyone else. <laughs> I'm dark. Like, you know, mean? I can't change anything. And it's really sad because in the black community too, I feel like men, like some f black fathers, sometimes tell their sons to go after this type of woman as far as in the black community. You know, like, you know, like I would hear guys tell me, like I would ask them, like, you know, what is this that y'all do to darker skinned women? Oh, well, I was told like, they're more aggressive, like, like, you know, you can't even like say nothing or like, they're like gorillas. Like I heard like a lot of like mean, like Whoa. compare us dark skinned women or dark skinned people to like animals. And it's just like, where do y'all get, I mean, y'all know where they get it from, but it's still like, why do you even continue it knowing like what we deal with as a black people, like globally? Cause like colorism is everywhere as far yeah. as in, in, amongst people amongst of people, color. Yeah. Like there's Afro-Latinos who deal with it. There's Indians who are dark, darker than most black people that deal mm -hmm. with it, even Asians in Asia too. Yeah. too. Yeah. So it's just like, I think it's a whole global thing as far as how people see blackness. And yeah, so. I was gonna say something to the to the childhood point before you talk, Dr. Wilson. I was raised by a dark skinned woman. My grandmother was the person who raised me, and she made me hate being light skinned. Mm. She made me feel as if I was less than. She would tell me light skinned people stink, so you need to make sure you bathe multiple times because y'all be stank. Or um, oh yeah, or or stuff like you know. I mean, I'm gonna have to perm this hair because like, don't nobody want no damn curly hair? Like, who wants that? Like, she she made me hate myself to the point where when I went to school, I would be like, I want to be like y'all. I want to be dark skinned. I want to have like kinky hair. I want to look like y'all. And they still did not accept me because they thought I thought I was better than them versus what I really felt, which was 
I'm embarrassed to be light-skinned. Um, I didn't get to the point where it was, um, where I realized that it was a thing or that it was acceptable until I moved away from the South and I went to the East Coast and I was like, okay, all right, this is something. And then I'm like, okay, like niggas like me or whatever. So let me like talk to them. But I mean, but before that, you know, I mean, it was like, I really, I did. I, I, I don't even think I told y'all that. Like my grandmother was a bitch to the point where like, I still today where I carry deodorant she around. Did. <laughs> yeah, I did. Wait, we don't you talk. Gotta, you gotta listen Y'all to gotta go also, back and listen check out to the podcast. Shows. Yeah. We've been my, through this. She's also my step-grandmother. She's not, she, we have no blood relation, honey. Yeah. So she, yeah, no she's judgment. a bitch. Um, <laughs> look, he, he was about to cuss me out of the front. <laughs> he was just a little shocked. But yeah, so anyway, um, it, I will say that it was perpetuated in me as a child, like a young child, that I was not enough because I was light. So Dr. Wilson, what do you feel like is the... Well, you can see that um, even as children, even during my day and probably some of you guys that you have experienced some of this stuff too, you know, this is how we have been conditioned. You know, we've been conditioned to not like ourselves. And so when we talk about the challenge of how do we change this around, um, you know, even as a father, I, I remember when my daughter was young, I made sure I tried to bring everything in the house that was black, and they start mm. to look at hair as context within the context. Well, what does your hair feel like? And look at your skin color and then recognizing how either teachers call on people with attitudes or without attitudes. All these psychological things that is happening to us, uh, we prime our children. So we need to learn how to prime our children to love blackness. And it's very important. And then you prime your children to love everything else that comes with it. So it is a challenge, but it's about how we have been conditioned over the course of time. Okay. Awesome. One other quick point about my grandmother. Y'all gonna get sick of She told me not to go to an HBCU because black people are not as smart as white people. And I should go to a PWI. So you, so you hear that? Because, no, she, right, she no, but really I'm saying, did. What I'm saying is now you hear the contradictions, right? Absolutely. I'm like, you're, you're like really dark. I mean, I, at the time I didn't say this, but I'm like, you're black as fuck. And you are sitting up here talking about our people like that. Like, so I don't know. She's yeah. Dead to me, by the way. So <laughs> tell us how you really feel. Right. Tell us how you really feel about this grandma. Um, I think that my contributing factor to the perpetuation is just that I was unknowledgeable, like naive into thinking that women of fair skin had any issues. And um, based on our last episode, I found out that there are issues. Now, I don't think that I've been the contributor of those issues, but I just didn't think they had issues. Like, I mean, everybody likes you. All the guys want to talk to you because you light skin, whatever. Um, you don't ever hear, you're pretty for a light-skinned girl. You know what I'm saying? And I, I've heard that several t times as far as being dark. You're pretty for a dark-skinned girl. And I just felt like, you know, light-skinned women didn't have issues. So just being naive, and I think it's important to recognize what your contributing factors is so that we can move forward. But, sweetie, did you have a question or you want to answer the question? Oh, you have a comment. Okay. 
So y'all have brought up um, asking your name. Oh yeah, where yeah, you from? Right, I got you. And your major. Um, I'm Amber. Um, I'm from Dallas, and my um, major is psychology. And y'all have brought up and asking her like if the what she was experiencing was from her peers or from people like that were older than her and stuff. And like me personally, um, a lot of the influences and like colorism and stuff like that was acted upon towards me was from like people that were older than me, like in my family, because my dad's side of the family they're all light skin and like white passing and so like me and them are very distant and we don't have like an actual relationship and I feel like it's because of the color of my skin whereas my sister she's like very light like most people think she's like Hispanic or something because of how light she is like they have a really good relationship with her but then when it came to me like they didn't have time for me like they kind of pushed me aside and even my grandma was like she's too dark so whenever I would like go on that side of the family they would like wouldn't let me go outside to play and stuff because like they'd be like you're gonna get too dark you know you need to stay inside you need to chill out and stuff and like so when it comes to like I guess how I perpetuate like um, colorism and everything it's just like when it comes to when lighter skinned people say like the problems that they have, I'm not like, what he was saying like, it's kind of like, I am i don't want to say I ignore it, but it's like, I don't like, I can't like relate to it or whatever. So it's like, they like talk about how they're um, disadvantaged. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, like, <laughs> I don't say like, it's like, I, I know, I understand it's important because we're all black at the end of the day and like everyone's still gonna have their own struggles because like we are black people and we are like, all struggling, but it's just like sometimes, like, oh, all right, like, you can't really relate to it. Thank you. And I think overall, whenever we did our first episode, um, as an extension to your statement, I think we realized that, hey, we were not supporting each other's disadvantages at the capacity that we need to, right? right. Um, and I think that was one of the overall outcomes. Um, and we decided to circle back with this topic because. Um, that first episode, we were talking about 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 our experiences, and it wasn't complete. Like I didn't feel that I was supporting Michelle enough. I didn't feel that I was supporting Cara enough uh, with their disadvantages. So we wanted to make sure that we circle back around, bring Dr. Wilson in um, to give that, um, I guess, that concrete um, information. Okay. So the next question is basically asking how are you not contributing or like what are you going to change or have you changed within yourself to stop contributing to the perpetuation do you one of y'all want to go first um i think i talked about it earlier when i get into a position i start bringing other black people in um i do my best to do that i mean i'm low on the totem pole at this point so i i'm not the hiring manager but i do what i can to put people in places where they can get opportunities um, I, I don't necessarily know outside of that. I mean, I'm an AKA, which I mean, you know, I guess I look like one. Um, I guess, uh, I've gotten told that before. Um, but outside of that, I, I feel like I, I am who I am. I don't, um, I don't be typically light skinned. I am Cara period. Like I'm loud as fuck. I think most of the time light-skinned girls are supposed to be like, you know, meek and chill and timid and whatever. No, I'm loud. I'm kind of ghetto a little bit. Um, I'm real country. And I don't, you know, I, I don't, I'm not prissy, you know, if that's the term. I, I, I'm not a stereotypical 
light-skinned person as it relates to my personality. So I'm just me. And so I try not to worry about what other what everybody's going to say about how they think I am. I just am who I present myself. And if you either you like it or not, basically. Um, so I am in a position of, I guess, of hiring. So I definitely... <laughs> Um, for my people, there's not enough African Americans in pharmaceutical sales. Period. Like I go to these conventions, and we were probably less than three percent, and it's it's hard. I mean, it's I, I, it's hard for me to relate to the majority um, at these conventions. So I definitely try my best to um, put more of us in these places. Um, but I also have access to um, you know real guys conversations in regard regards to women. And a prime example, I have a coworker who, um, he's and this is this is he's pretty much like a fuckboy, But don't this is don't focus on that part. Just focus on me, um, like I guess dealing through, dealing with his um, his colorism issues. So his girl is a brown skinned girl, right? And all the girls that you know he talk about other than her are Hispanic or very light skinned, um, and. I try to tell him like, wait, man, you don't see the disconnect. Like you and you're absolutely quote unquote in love with your girl and she's a brown skin girl. But every woman that you comment on is either Hispanic or very, very light skin. And till this day, I mean, he it, it still has, I still haven't connected the dots with him, but that's my goal. Like I plan to continue to have these conversations with men who don't necessarily, don't necessarily see their own colorism within our community. Dr. And I think that I think that is a challenge that um, <clears throat> as men we need to deal with. We need to confront. We got to confront other brothers um, when we talk about this issue of colorism, particularly when he talks about dating. Right. So because within dating, um, that's where we begin to perpetuate ourselves as a race of people and the next generation and what children we're going to have and so forth. So I think you just need to challenge him. You got to put pictures in front of his face. You know, you got to put them dark senses. Dang, man, she look good. Look at this picture right here. And, and, and you know, and all of a sudden, you know, we, in other words, we have to recondition Correct. ourselves, yeah. if not each other. I can definitely do that. I'm going to start cutting out magazines. So, and I, and I do that in my classes at times. Uh, I may show videos. Yeah. I show certain videos. And then I may pause it. I do this my general psych for some of you. I may pause and look, wow, look how beautiful that sister. It'd be the, most, the darkest beautiful sister out there. And I just say, look how pretty she is. Now, it, it works two ways. One, it recognizes, it, it, it's to allow my female students to sit back and say, wow, he does acknowledge. But more importantly, it's for my males to sit back and say, because young men listen to old men sometimes, right? <laughs> they sit back and say, uh, I wonder what Doc knows. <laughs> oh and FYI we do want some guys to come up I know you're in line but more we need more guys to come up and ask questions give their opinion on it, if that's okay with you not to put you on the spot yeah. so but that's what it requires time. that's what it requires us to recondition ourselves for the self love that we should have for ourselves awesome hello I'm Jessica Williams I'm from Ardmore Oklahoma I am a graduate of Prairie View a University, the psychology department. Nice. And I teach special education middle school in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. All right, B.R. As a professional educator, I'm real black at work. I try my best not to code switch. Um, I answer the phone just like this. I make announcements just like this. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, I go to work just like this. I might wear a head wrap on a Wednesday. 
Um, and I think it's important for our females to see somebody walking down the hallway like that in efforts to normalize blackness. Yeah. In my house, I got two brown kids up there. And every day we say, I'm black, I'm beautiful, I love myself. And it's about building the esteem so that my kids can go out and affect other kids who affect other kids. And so they're not the exception anymore, they're the rule. Mm. Mm. That's a word. Come that through. Word. Come through. Yeah. That was nice. You can, pass can, your can midterm. Can I say I'm so proud to hear that as a one of my uh, former <laughs> students? Oh my goodness. <laughs> so what's your name, where are you from, and your major? Um, I'm Deja. I'm from East Texas, which is Paris, Texas, and I'm a psychology major. Nice. Um, honestly, I can. I, I've never, I've never contributed to colorism, and honest, there's really nothing you can do to change it other than making people be proud of themselves. Because it's not the fact that they're not proud of other people or they don't like other people who happen to be of darker skin or happen to be of lighter skin. It's that they don't like themselves. A light-skinned woman having problems with a dark-skinned woman is not her having a problem with that dark-skinned woman. It's her not being comfortable in her light-skinnedness. I cannot feel bad because everyone is telling their traumatic experience with being dark-skinned because I don't live that. I'm not going to get up here and be extra defensive about it. I'm not going to say, oh, you don't see my pain and you don't see my strife because that's yours and this is mine. I come from East Texas where... My family is matriarchal, so we ran by the women. The head of, the, how, the head of my family is a dark-skinned woman. It's my grandmother. She is the darkest of dark. Ain't nobody in here got no nothing on how dark she is. <laughs> I'm talking beautiful big lips, almond eyes, light brown, sparkles. She And she runs that. She got the deepest dimples ever. Like, I love that woman to the death of me. And so when you said that you were raised by a dark-skinned grandmother and she made you feel bad for being light-skinned, Mine didn't. Mine let me know straight up. People are not going to like you simply because you are a light-skinned black woman. And that's just the way it is. They don't make you better than nobody. They don't make you less than anybody. And I feel like people get so stuck on the colorism that you forget that at the end of the day, you still black. Absolutely. Yes, Absolutely. she was light-skinned and she got the movie role, but they still didn't want to give it to her to begin with. And even then, like I'm what you call yellow-waisted. Yellow-waisted is... I have all black features with light skin. My, both of my parents are black. I'm not mixed. I do not have loose curly hair. My hair is kinky. I got a straight fro. Dr. Wilson has seen it. <laughs> I got a big nose. I got big lips. If you take my skin color away, you can still see my black features. The same as looking at an albino person and telling if they're black albino or white albino. Whereas you have the average light skinned girl who they talk about with the privilege. It's not me. It is a thin nose, thin lips. Closer to white. That ain't me. So I don't get to experience all those same privileges. My name is Tadeja. That's ghetto. She said summer. I said, ooh, where they get summer from? <laughs> I don't I don't get the privilege of having a semi-normal name or like even under your podcast, you talked about, you know, them casting a Susan or a Connor and not a Jerome or a Quanisha. And I was like, damn, because you know, I know light-skinned people with some ghetto ass names <laughs> who before you even get to see them, whether they were light-skinned and they looked like they could pass for white, that name got them ruined from the jump. And so, honestly, the only way that you can change that colorism or change that conversation 
is to grow that black love and that self-love. And the first thing you have to understand is that black people are not a monolith, that we come in multiple shades and color, that two dark-skinned people can easily have a light-skinned baby, and it's from yes. someone else down the line. Correct. Yes. And Correct. that does not make them better. It does not mean that it's weird, because a lot of people think that black means dark. Black don't mean dark. Black means different shades of brown. Passing for white, being the darkest of black, and looking almost midnight. And people get so stuck on just dark skin and light skin that we don't even talk about the brown skin people. They're stuck in the middle. Right. Yeah, interesting, interesting. Um, <clears throat> two points um, that Tadeja just made. One is that I never heard the term waste yellow, but we come up with these terminologies all the time to describe ourselves within our groups. But more importantly, what she mentioned was that you have to have a sense of self-love for yourself. You have to have, be grounded in self-love. And a lot of times that self-love is definitely perpetuated and taught to us by our parents, by our cousins, our relatives, everybody in the community. But at the same time, some of us find self-love by observing other people outside the family if we didn't get it within the family. And we have to surround ourselves with people who allow ourselves to freely express our self-love. And so that's, that's important. Right. Um, I think it's also important to point out, um, like you were just saying, Dr. R Dr. Wilson, how we describe ourselves. That whole acting light-skinned, acting dark-skinned, or light-skinned niggas be like, dark-skinned niggas be like, whatever like that. I do not. That stuff is not funny to me like I just don't even I don't connect to that at all like oh this nigga stand in the mirror and he pierced his lips or whatever that means he acting light skin or whatever like I don't contribute to that because I think that continues to like put and pierce people when you say things like that because it's almost as if sometimes uh the more positive light is connected to what's Fair, more fair skin. Like it's better to be light skin when you act like skin. You know what I'm saying? So I don't, I don't play around with that at all. Like I don't think it's funny, and I just don't contribute to it. But um, the next question we have, and I'll let you answer that one. Um, what effects do you feel like the media has on colorism and its presence in our community? Okay, um, so my name is Deja. I'm from Phoenix, Arizona, and I'm a psychology major. Um, so effects, yeah. Um, so effects that the media has when it comes to colorism, um, kind of like it got brought up earlier. I think it was Bree that brought it up. Um, seeing that, you know, when they cast movie parts and it's for black people, it tends to be they'll cast a light skin, like no matter who the part's based off. Like um, you brought up in the last episode, I think it was you, um, about the, you know, Simone, and they casted um, Zoe Saldala, and it was like, she don't really, she really look like her, so it was just, um, like everyone's just like, they're so focused on, oh, but we, we casted like a black person, like they're black, it's fine, but it's like at the same time, we're more than just this one, more on the fair skin side, more than just this curly hair person. Like, um, like Deja was saying, there's many shades. And to like constantly see um, mainly light skin when it comes to the media, um, especially in movies, it's like they kind of get stuck in just, there's this shade and it's okay that we only have this shade because they're all black. 
so it's cool. So I think um, as far as the media goes, I think it's just making sure that you don't get stuck in one shade of black because there's many shades of black and it shouldn't be to the point where uh, we just have to make sure that they look like they're black and as long as they're in it, then the representation's there because that's not true. Do you feel like we should be challenging Hollywood or we should be like saying something or like the actors and actresses should be challenging when they take the roles, like not taking roles if they don't fit what the role should look like? Yes, um, I believe in that and that actually happened um, recently, not with a black actor, but um, an actor got casted for, I think it was, um, I don't remember the movie, I think it was one of like the superhero movie coming out, and the background of the character, um, he's supposed to be an Asian character, and the guy that they casted was white, and so after a couple weeks, he came back and said, like, I had no idea that the background of this character was Asian, that's not me, so I'm gonna have to, like, turn down this movie role, and he backed out of the movie, because he's like, I want someone that represents this character to be casted. And I think that that's very commendable and that not a lot of actors do that because, you know, they got the job. They're like, I'm an actor. I'm going to do it. But I think it's um, we should definitely place more responsibility on the people in the movies to be like, if this is what the part is supposed to look like and I don't look like this, I should push for someone who looks like that to be this part. Juwan Miller from El Paso, Texas, and I'm a psychology major. And same thing with the media? Mm -hmm. All right, well, I love me, you know, some Tyler Perry movies, Wayne <laughs> Brothers, you know, things like that. But then one day I watched this show called The Boondocks. And when I watched it, I thought to myself, you know, about the commentary they were putting out there, how in the Tyler Perry movies, you'll always have the dark-skinned, bald dude who's evil, hates Jesus, things like that, and how, you know, the black women going through, you know, strife and whatnot will go into the arms of the light-skinned man. I was like, hmm, that's very interesting. I went back and I watched that, and I was like, that's very that's common crazy. in this movie. It's, it's very so common, common in Every our movie. own movies, and Every I'm like, movie. that that can't be is it? And then, you know, you start watching things like BET and you start, you know, noticing how they, you know, portray us, you know, things like the Proud Family, Baby Kids, like how we're like bad. We're just Negroes. You know, we don't know any better. We're ignorant. And that conditioning that kids are watching because, oh, they look like me. So I'm going to watch this. It's, it's being conditioned into them. And I think that evolves into ignorance. And because, you know, we're ignorant, we do things, we base things off of appearance. She's light-skinned, so she acts like this. You're dark-skinned, so you act like this. And we don't really know the truth. You don't know the first fuck about me. We don't get to try to know each other. We don't ask, you know, how are, how's your day? You know, what's your name? We don't, we don't do these things. We just look at somebody and say, oh, she light-skinned, big forehead. She like this. Dark-skinned, bald, evil. He probably aggressive. Dark-skinned street us, like, you know, things like the big that. big forehead is what I'm talking Yeah, I'm saying, I mean, like, you know, we mean, have all these. I, I get what you're saying. I'm just. And it's I'm good. Like, we joke amongst each other. <laughs> <laughs> we love to joke amongst each other, but there are people that actually believe this. And then right. when we believe it, they believe it. The people outside believe it. Well, this is what, you know, they say, they joke around. I've been around them. This is what they joke about. So this must be how it is. And I think, you know, to discontinue that, we have to educate ourselves. Most definitely. And, you know, just get to know each other better. Absolutely. Next question. You want to answer this question? Okay. Hello. Um, my name is Jasmine Olson. I'm actually from uh, Oklahoma, too. Um, I'm a psychology major uh, here at Prairie View. 
Um, so I just wanted to comment on the um, the media aspect of colorism. Um, I actually do uh, some modeling here in Houston um, for some you know boutiques and stuff like that, and I actually had it happen to me. Um, so I just wanted to share my story. So there's this. He's actually Jamaican, and he's darker than anybody in this room. And I did him a favor, and you know we did a shoot for some makeup. And um, I look on social media after he edited it and everything and posted it. Well, the client posted it on their media page and um, it didn't look like me. They um, like made my nose really thin, thinned out my lips, like made my face really contoured. They made me look white, you know. Wow. Um, I am half white and half black, but if you wanted a white person to to do that role, then you should have gotten a white person at that point. Well, I guess this is how I don't contribute to colorism. I just I ask them to take it down. Like you, I'm not going to be your model for something that, and just you know, it's not okay. It's it's not okay. You don't yeah, ask a black person to model for you and then make them look lighter than they already are. And I mean, I'm pretty light skinned already, <laughs> so um, you you really you you turn. I mean, it was crazy. I mean, completely whitewashed my face. Um, you know, changed my eye color, like it wasn't even, it wow. wasn't me at the end of the day. So um, I just, I feel like it starts with ourselves. I mean, you really do, like she was saying, it's self-love. Like I have enough love for my people, especially, you know, the dark-skinned women um, to just, you know, stand up. Like it's it's my picture, so I'm I'm not giving you the the right to the right to, to post it anymore. You you changed completely how I looked and didn't run it by me. So um, even though I missed out on money in that sense, you still what's more important? You know, like trying to trying to just you know step by step change uh, how people view us because you know Instagram is a, a huge media platform, especially um, in this day and age. So that's that's just definitely a way that I don't contribute to to colorism. That's really big for you to be um, at the space where you can recognize that and say that you're not going to contribute and then to tell him to take it down. I think that was, you know, beautiful. And I can say I appreciate you for that because that's self-love. But then, like you said, it's love for your people. So. Um, well, the last question is just asking, why are we still here in 2017? And so I think we've all kind of talked about why we're still here, but Dr. Wilson, that's really for you. Like at, in 2017, why are we still focused on colorism based on all the stories that we've given and all the contributing factors? Now, um, before I answer that question, I'm gonna give the opportunity of, because um, it's gonna ask the same question, but I'm okay. allow Eric to come in ask the question in his way. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Everybody laughing? It's about to be crazy. My, name, my name's Eric and I am a, a white male, 48, um, native Texan, brought up in the military. So I have a kind of a diverse perspective. Um, we do know that that colorism exists with, within all races. And if I'm serious about being effectual and fervent and creating change in myself, and then to be an example to those around me and my family and within my own community, it's, actual, it's absolutely imperative that I be completely open and honest and willing to change. I have to be 
open to the character defects within myself and, and that limit my usefulness and effectiveness to exact change around me. Prejudices, biases, ethnocentricism, egocentricism, resentment and bitterness are all within me. And if I'm openly and honestly looking to change and I remain open and teachable, that very change that I desire will come about. Change comes from within. Um, my first question is, where do we start? My second is, what do we do? And my last is, how do we do it? I don't believe hatred and violence are the answer. Um, and we have that even within our own races. And, and I also don't believe we will ever overcome the color divide if we can't overcome the very things that would seek to destroy, to destroy us on an individual basis and within our own races. Thank you very much. Scholars, Dr. Wilson. Wow. <laughs> um, you know, we're trying to answer the question of how do we deal with this? And, you know, if, if you get to know me personally, the bottom line is when students walk into my office, is to engage in conversation amongst each other, with, the, with each other. Um, so I try to put us in spaces they're forced to be in this space right here because it's a class. <laughs> but to put them in comfortable spaces to where they can just have simple conversation with each other. And that way we can gain that understanding and empathy that you was talking about by listening to other people's story. Um, but then provide our own answers within ourselves. So when Tadeja was talking about that she understands that it begins with a sense of self-love for herself. Well, I would expect her to share that understanding with others who may present as if they're challenged. They have a challenge within themselves about loving themselves. We have to share these experiences with each other. We also need to be able to say that we care about each other, no matter what. No matter what hue you have, no matter what type of hair texture you carry, no matter your behavior, or how you talk or how you look. We have to sincerely believe in the need to care for each other. So we gotta create a community of caring. That's the bottom line. Um, how do we do this? We gotta have events and functions that allows us to express who we are. And if we have to put a rainbow coalition on that stage to represent all of us in the room, then that's what we do. Be mindful of that, be cognizant of the fact that I want people to look like all of us, all of us in this audience to be part of this process and reflective of the types of activities and traditions and rituals that we have for ourselves. We have to engage in those practices. We have to be consistent with those practices we have to be consistent in the way we carry ourselves and acknowledge others who look like us that, wow, you carry yourself very well. I admire you. We have mm. to tell each other that we admire each other. Absolutely. We definitely have to do all of that. So it becomes imperative that as we move forward, that it is our job to hear that we have a pharmaceutical rep on stage, to hear that we have a lawyer on stage, to hear that we have a licensed therapist on stage putting on shows like this and to see special ed, that when they come back to your home, to this space, 
you recognize that success is seen in all colors within ourselves. And so the beauty of this episode or this particular um, podcast that we're having right now is really reflected in the work that you guys do. I'm very proud of the fact that I've allowed my students to present themselves, but to witness that success is still within us. And I do see the beauty of blackness all the way around. And I see the potential of the beauty of blackness in the success that my students are going to have in the future as well. And so it really, allow, it really requires us to express these ideas, these desires, these emotional connections, and to say that um, this is what I expect of all of you. This is my opportunity to say all of you putting on this show and all of you as students is that what Dr. Wilson expects of you is to not to contribute to the issue of colorism, to advance and uphold the liberation of African people, and to move us forward in the contribution to civilization and society. And we do this by being successful and supporting each other. And so with that, I just want to say, I mean, I think it's simple, but it requires effort. It does require effort. Every day you wake up, what can I do for black people today? That's awesome. What's the word? That was, yeah, let's just give him a, a round of applause, please. There was something that you said on the phone to us when we spoke about this episode, and it was a three-tenant discussion. Justin, you remember that? No. <laughs> I, I forgot. My mind was gone. Just, I'll remember. I, mean, I say so much stuff, I'll probably have so many different three-tenants. It was so profound, and I don't how we remember need to it. How we need to celebrate each other. Yeah, it was like Ce celebrate something. I don't know. Anyway. He, he said, educate, it. celebrate, and then it was the third one. But oh, I mean, you know, the way my memory works. Oh, well, I, I believe it was educate black people, celebrate black people, and be about black folks. Yes. yes. Right. That That's was it. it. That's Thank it. Thank you. That was it. <laughs> so we have one more comment, and then we're going to get on to our millennial moment. This is another alum, too, is it? Yes. Uh -huh. <laughs> cool. Hi, everybody. My name is Valerie Holtz. I actually graduated from Prairie View in May of 2009. Was that May? Yeah. Uh, so, yes, I just wanted to piggyback off of Dr. Wilson and what he was saying. And being out in the real world since 2009, <laughs> um, one thing I think it's important to do as far as working with our African-American lighter and darker-skinned brothers together, we need to portray that to white America. Because if they don't get that picture, then they're going to continue as they did back in slavery and all that sort of time to continue to use that as a way to divide us. So I think that's really important to take as you guys move on throughout your careers here and as you move forward with your jobs and future careers. Certainly agree. That's a great point. Thank you. Um, Oh, we were going <laughs> to, the baby like, want to say get a your few kid. words. <laughs> that ain't my baby. <laughs> come get your baby. <laughs> Give me my cereal. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> okay, so the millennial moment is a time where we pretty much talk trash about folks. Or we have people. You want to see here? Oh, I'm fine. We have people write us emails and talk junk about people or we just vent so um so it's basically like uh 21 questions y'all still do that they still have that in the paper it ain't the same it's not huh? the same <laughs> look <she's mad. laughs> right 
Does anyone have any relationship issues? It doesn't have to be about your relationship. I mean, you know, it could be it about could your be cousin that friend. got a TSU or, I mean, you know, Southern. So Don't. you could just get up here and tell us about a situation that's a little messy or, you know, a little shady, a little petty. And then we will dissect it and just tell you what we would do. I got this right here. It's, it's a little, it's longer here. What's your name? Where are you from? And what's your major? Is it good? Uh, I'm Raja. I'm from Houston, Texas, and I'm a psychology major. Okay, so I have a best friend. We live together. She has a boyfriend, and so... Wait, is she your roommate? She goes here. Yeah, she's my roommate, too, and she goes here, oh. too. So... Wait, people may know who your roommate okay, is. So okay, never mind. Late, this, since we moved together, I'm just... I should never did it. She said my friend, I'm let her say day I die, but I gotta move out. So she has this boyfriend and they're crazy. We have like five holes in our wall. She don't live by herself. She live with me. So it's like, what am I supposed to do? Kick her out. So okay. No. Bye. But I'm not paying the rent by myself, so I'ma stay there. Okay, so I told her, me and her boyfriend had gotten to it, and I said, he can't come to the house anymore. That's not his house to put holes in the wall. He don't put holes in his wall, so you're not going to put holes in this wall. So when I argued with him, she was like, okay, uh, I'm going to break up with him and all this. And I'm like, I don't like having fights with him because at the end of the day, she's still going to be with him. And I'm like, I'm going to look stupid because it's like... You you look stu she looks stupid and then I'm gonna look stupid so I'm just like okay well she's still with this guy like I don't know what to do like he didn't kick her out the car I had to go pick her up sometimes <laughs> and it's just to the point like and he they kicked out the car on the highway okay this is the, and this is the issue y'all she got no she got one foot in one foot out they haven't even been talking that long they just started going out June so the D is good she can easily leave. <laughs> It's the DNA. It's a, like, it's a vibe. She digmatized. Come on now. But I don't even think it's that. It is just like. No, that's what it he is. He don't do nothing for her. No, that's it's what it D. is. I'm telling you, she slipped and fell on the, the D. D. She fell on the D. But she can go get someone else. She's Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Is she on the lease? Yes. She is on the lease. Yes, we both are. Does your property manager. Hold on one second. Hold on one second, guys. Does your property manager know about the holes? Okay, so they got we got a complaint one time, and she was I wasn't there, but I'm just like, hopefully we get kicked out because I want to go. <laughs> I will be right there. I really can't deal with because it's like you don't. I have a boyfriend, so when he comes in, he's just like, dang, like I don't want to see. Like that's not me. Like I'm, I don't bother. Like on my side of the house. I do not do all that. Like, you live with somebody. You have to keep that down. At 5 o'clock, 2 in the morning, they arguing loud, slamming doors. And I'm just like, this not okay. Like, it's it's just crazy to me okay, because but it sounds I thought like, she had it more It sounds like what, the, what I've heard them say, I don't, I didn't ever heard this term. What, what was that term again? The digmatize. Digmatize. <laughs> digmatize. So you need to confront your roommate. Y'all, I have messages. No, no, what I'm saying, no, what messages. I'm saying is based on what they said, you need to confront your is it, are you digmatized? <laughs> Just, Just straight up you ask lost her. Your everlasting mind? Just straight up ask her. Just ask her. I mean, it's um, okay. If she said digmatized, yes. it is an adjective. Are you want the definition? Digmatized, adjective. <laughs> Fully in love with the dick. 
AKA the D. So, um, okay. unfortunately, this will probably scorn your roommate. Yeah, I mean, you will probably never, ever have a roommate, unfortunately. And you shouldn't, baby. Don't do it. That's why I can't do it. Don't do it. No. I think legally, too, um, I'm not going to give legal advice, and y'all ain't my client, so I don't think you are. But anyway. Um, you can give them legal advice. I can't. Or, I can't, because then if somebody goes and uses it, they can sue me, okay. and I don't want y'all to sue me. So, um, and I don't do landlord-tenant either. But if I did... <laughs> Um, all the disclaimers. Um, you should go talk to your landlord. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel you, but but baby girl, listen. So is that a friendship or your credit? Absolutely. So here's the thing. It's three things with that. The first thing is like safety because if they're fighting you know he's a male she's a female he's gonna overpower her but it's still domestic violence nonetheless um so you need to make sure that they're like safe you know what i'm saying like you just need to talk to her like sis and that's not really normal to be fighting people you know what i'm saying that's a man he hit you in the face he's gonna knock you out then what's gonna happen you know what i'm saying that's the first thing. The second thing is, like she's saying, like, talk to your landlord to see what you can do you for yourself. You because it's your lease, too. And if y'all get kicked out, that's going to be on your record. So you need to figure that out. Call the cops. <laughs> Every time. Because that's not your responsibility. Because what will happen is someone will get hurt. Someone may die. And you're going to be caught up in all that mess. Right, Hello. straight up. Or your bar friend, because your bar, your bar friend may take up for you one day, and he may get caught up in a crossfire. So it's not fair. Anybody else got some drama? <laughs> so I mean, that's actually a great question. I think um, I dealt with some horrible roommates in the past, and unfortunately, uh, you may and you, you want to do whatever it takes to um, keep the friendship. But once you get older, you realize that it's just not worth it. And if she's just, your best friend, I'll be honest and say, when I was at PV, I lived in what was that? Um, no, the other one, the phase three. I was in phase three in my roommate. So, you know, it's just two people in that room. And um, she would leave, and she's my best friend now. Like, we're still best friends to this day. But she would leave, and she would leave her boyfriend there. Like, it wasn't a fight or nothing like that. But I just felt like, yo, I don't... And I knew him. I was in the bed with him, too. But I don't want to be here with your boyfriend. You know what I'm saying? Like, I heard you leave. So I'm walking out the door, you know what I'm saying? With all types of no clothes on. You feel me? And then your boyfriend in there. And I'm like, what the... You know, that's a little awkward. So... Did you say you was in the bed with him, too? Bend. You did it did sound like bad. Loki, oh, okay. I was like, what? <laughs> I didn't know it was like that. <laughs> we were in the band together. Now, that would have really been some drama. <laughs> but I called I called the CA and like I had her come remove him from the room. Like I told I would text her and be like, yo, your boyfriend's still here. Why is he here? And she'd be like, it don't matter. I'm coming right back. No, it does matter. So you have to like make somebody know that you have to respect me. And we're still best friends now, but hey, I have to get a boyfriend kicked out. You just gotta do what you gotta do for you. <laughs> All right, so for the uh, sake of time, I know you all have class next. Um, so Dr. Wilson, thank you so much for being a part of this show. Can everyone give Dr. Wilson a hand, please? Thank, thank you. Thank you. you.
We Thank really you. appreciate you. You have definitely been an amazing uh, contribution to our show um, and really help us um, bring this whole topic with colorism full circle. So we definitely appreciate you. Um, so thank the PV students. Can you do the set show? Something Woo! on the house. Right, go. Set Pindu. show homecoming out. Set it out, set it out, set it out. Hey. All right, so thank you so much to PV students. If y'all can, please go follow us on Instagram. Um, this, our podcast is about millennial love, and we really talk about everything dealing with sex, feelings, mental health, how we're selfish as fuck. I'm pretty sure you guys can relate, so please go follow us on Instagram at millennial love. That's millennial with two N's and two L's. I know people have issues with spelling millennial, and that's L-O-V-3. So thank y'all so much. Yeah.